Readings taken from Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, can be found on uh, page 980. That's Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, page 980. The parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Uh, Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all here. Uh, Let's just begin in, in prayer. In the Old Testament, uh, Samuel says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, help us to open our hearts and our minds now to what you have to say to us through your holy scriptures. And Lord, we pray that you would transform us by it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, every day we weigh up the cost of different things. Is something worth it? Worth the time, the money, the commitment, the hassle? The holiday that we've spotted online? Is it a bargain or are we being ripped off? The new job that we've been offered might give us a more significant profile, help our career ambitions... But what about the longer hours, the increased stress and responsibility? Is it worth it? I'm sure many of my friends were wondering if it was worth going to my birthday barbecue a few weeks ago. Uh, Free food and drink, the chance to see Lucy, but then Ben will be there. Is Is it worth it? Well, the question set by these two parables that have been read to us by Dom is this. Is following Jesus worth it? Now perhaps we're here this evening and we've made a commitment to follow Jesus, but the going is tough. It feels like a bit of a slog and we're tempted to throw in the towel. We're wondering if being a Christian is really worth it. Or maybe we're here this evening and we're not following Jesus. And we're thinking that this whole Christian thing may well be true, but... We're asking ourselves, is it worth it? In response to these two parables, in response to this, these parables have two key things to say to us. The first is that following Jesus should cost us everything. Note that both men in these parables find the things of great value and give away everything in order to to gain it. So if we look down at verse uh, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went away and sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, 
he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Well, I don't know about you, but these words aren't exactly what I want to hear. It might be a bit easier to process these parables if both men sold the old possession they, they had. So the man who finds the treasure sells his plough, for example, and leaves it at that. But that's not what's written. Both men sell everything they have. So what does this mean for us uh, here today? Well, early in the book of Matthew, Jesus calls this his disciples on the shores of Galilee. As Jesus is walking beside the lake, he sees Peter and Peter's brother Andrew, who are both casting their nets into the water. Jesus calls out to them, come, follow me. And at once, the passage says, Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed him. For Peter, the decision to start walking with Jesus meant leaving behind many things, uh, notably his profession as a fisherman, a profession that he probably practiced all his life. And that was just the start of the journey. Uh, I spent some time in Rajasthan, India, a few years ago, uh, very hot and dusty state in the north of the country and I got to know uh, a guy there who's about 18 years old called Sanjay who had recently converted to Christianity from Hinduism. Rajasthan is a state of 70 million Christian, uh, sorry 70 million people but only 70,000 Christians and Christians don't have it easy there. For making the decision to turn away from Hinduism And follow Christ, Sanjay was beaten by his father, driven out of the family home, and told not to return. He was now living in a pokey room at the small English college where I was teaching and had no money and very few possessions. In recent years, the rise of a radical Hindu nationalist movement in India has led to brutal attacks on Christians, pastors, and nuns throughout the country. Since the 2014 election of Prime Minister Narendra Modi from the Hindu Nationalist Party, Indian Christians have suffered increasing levels of persecution, with many facing little choice but to leave homes and leave families. Now, we here in London may not lose our job or our family or friends by deciding to follow Jesus to become Christians, but we may well experience insults, a hard time at work or at the club that we are a part of, or loss of popularity or approval. Holding to the view that Jesus is the only way and the truth, or that actually not every lifestyle is good and loving, uh, may lead to people calling us bigoted or, or hateful or behind the times. Our faith is at odds with a society that preaches relativism, that all belief systems are equally valid and equally true, and that there are no absolutes. We may also, on deciding to follow Jesus, be challenged to give up certain behavior that might give us a lot of physical pleasure, but is not in keeping with God's ways and is not what he desires for us. 
or certain traits and ways of thinking. Jealousy or fits of anger, lust, greed, pride. Now we are only human and we're weak and we're frail and we continue to get things wrong. And it is only through God's grace and through God's strength that we can turn away from these things. But are we surrendering to God, allowing him to change us? What about when we're further down the road? We've been following Jesus for some time. Surely things get easier. Well, no, they don't or they shouldn't. God continues to make calls on various parts of our lives and ask us to sacrifice things for him. I wonder if those of us here this evening who have been Christians for a while since God maybe pressing in on areas of our lives that need to be given up or need to change? Is he calling us to lay down some of our own interests and some of our own desires for the good of others? Or perhaps change the way that we spend our weekends or our holidays or, our money, or, or what we do with our money? What are we doing here at church Could we be serving one another more, whether that's helping provide tea and coffee or clean up after services or play in the worship band or support with the youth work that we take forward here at St. Michael's? Are we employing the gifts and the skills that God has given us for for his glory and for the good of our neighbour? And what about the elderly the poor, the homeless. I've been struck by a group of people I've come into contact with this year who are in their spare time totally, uh, voluntarily, helping homeless and disadvantaged people in central London. The volunteers are not just giving up their time to cook food and serve it to people living on the streets, but are also getting alongside them, mentoring them where necessary, forming friendships, welcoming them, into their homes. It's raw. It's gritty. It's distinctive. It's easy to love people who are nice-looking and fun and provide stimulating conversation. But what about people who haven't showered for weeks, who look disheveled, who cannot keep up a conversation? Um, Do we still love them? What about the lonely There are so many lonely people in London who rarely speak to anyone through an entire week. And so could we volunteer to help lonely or socially socially isolated people in our community? Um, Help the elderly or Friends UK, a brilliant charities working in this space. Or perhaps we could just try to get to know our neighbours by inviting them round to where we live. Uh, Certainly a good test for me and Lucy, we've been in our flat for nearly two years and we barely know who our neighbours are? Do we meet with Christian friends and family to encourage them in the faith, pray for them and support them? In what ways is God calling us this evening to be more sacrificial, to be more selfless, to be more focused on others and the Lord Jesus Christ? rather than ourselves.
Are we letting God transform us so that we can love our neighbor more and so that we can love him more? Returning um, to the life of Peter, he walked with Jesus throughout Jesus' ministry, stumbling and falling pretty regularly, getting things wrong, betraying Jesus on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion, but crucially, persevering and remaining in friendship with his saviour and with his closest friend. Whilst preparing this sermon, I've been uh, I've read and reread a section in the closing chapter of John's Gospel. It's a series of verses that many of us will know very well. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has revealed himself to the disciples. And he and the disciples have shared breakfast together. Jesus is preparing to return to his Father in heaven. And one of his final conversations is with Peter. After Jesus and the disciples have finished eating, Jesus turns to Peter and asks, Do you love me more than these? What is Jesus referring to? Perhaps the disciples that Peter is so close to, the deep friendships and camaraderie they share. Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asks the same question again, Do you love me? Peter again replies, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asks for a third time, Do you love me? Well, by now we can imagine that uh, Peter is pretty exasperated. The scriptures say that he was hurt. For a third time, Peter responds, You know I love you. And then Jesus goes on to describe the death that Peter will one day suffer for this love, for following Jesus. Crucifixion, the same grueling death that Jesus suffered. Jesus then says to him, follow me. So as the story of Peter shows us, God will keep on testing us and challenging us to give up things for him until the day we die. We must not become hardened to his voice, even if the call to keep following him leads us to death, as in the case of Peter. So following Jesus should cost us everything. But here's the second thing from these two parables. Following Jesus gives us everything. Please do look down at those verses again in Matthew 13. And picture the man in the first parable. Uh, There he is, engaged in his daily toil, ploughing the land, rather bored perhaps, expecting little. Then suddenly his plough hits a box. He gets a spade, digs up the box, opens it, and there he finds it stuffed with more gold and more precious jewels than he could earn in 1,000 lifetimes. So he hides it again, races home, and in his joy, as the parable says, sells the house, sells all the furniture, sells his car, empties the savings account, and buys the field. Now is there a cost to what he does? Well, in one sense, yes. He sells all he has. 
But in another sense, no. Because what he gains is infinitely more than what he sold. Turning to the second parable, the merchant there has seen countless pearls in his life. Many were very expensive, possibly incredibly attractive. But it was something about this pearl that arrested all his attention. It consumed him, took hold of his mind and his heart. It was worth selling everything for. We can go through life experimenting with different ideologies, with different lifestyles, and some can be extremely pleasurable for a while, can give us a lot of satisfaction, but ultimately that satisfaction is not enough. We crave more. We're restless. In his uh, confession, St. Augustine proclaims that our hearts will always be restless until they find rest in God. Only he can quench our deepest thirst. As Jesus states in the Gospel of John, everyone who drinks this water, the water that the world offers, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. To be following Jesus, to put your trust in him, to declare him as your Lord, means that we are made new, brought to life, and we can experience life to the full, forgiven for all the mess and the sin and the misery of the past. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we become brothers and sisters of Christ, who is the creator and the sustainer and the Lord of all things, and experience life as it is meant to be, in friendship with him. And what an amazing friendship this is, where he loves us, he cares for us, he watches over us through the trials and challenges of this world, through physical difficulties, through mental illness, persecution. He draws alongside us, he comforts us, he listens to us, he tells us, Do not be afraid. And above all else, this is a relationship that will last through death and into eternity. We can have all the riches in the world, the big house with no mortgage, the country retreat, the best car, five-star holidays and winter ski breaks, a job, we love that pays well good relationships family but what does it matter in the scheme of eternity life is fleeting and so fragile it comes and it goes and one day we will all meet jesus face to face jesus says in matthew chapter 10 whoever acknowledges me before men i will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven but whoever disowns me before men I will disown him before my father in heaven and on that day we will be certain that the gain of having Jesus' approval of being in friendship with him is infinitely more than the cost of losing a house 
or a job, giving up a relationship, sacrificing status or popularity or money in this lifetime. Of course, giving up things on earth is not easy. It is a sacrifice. It may well bring struggle and hardship and suffering. Just look at the many Christians in the Middle East in recent months who have been forced to leave their homes and leave loved ones for following Jesus. Some have faced death for deciding to follow Jesus. But those Christians have grasped the eternal perspective that in following Christ and being in friendship with him, there is a treasure that is far more valuable than anything the world can offer. And following Christ and being in friendship with him, there is the promise of eternal life with him in heaven. So following Jesus should cost us everything. But following Jesus gives us everything. Some of you will be familiar with the story of Jim Elliot, an American missionary who in his late 20s was killed by a tribe in the Amazon whilst he was trying to share the good news of Christ with them. An entry in his journal before his death noted, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And as Jesus himself says in the Gospel of Matthew, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Amen. Should we just close in, in prayer?